Amen. But I apologize. I'm pretty sure I was down here leading, leading Luke in the wrong direction. I was singing away, and all of a sudden I realized, I think I'm on the wrong verse. So if you're looking at Luke, it probably wasn't him. Amen. Amen. As far as that last song goes, <clears throat> uh, look at all of your actions of the last week, of the last uh, few days, the interactions you've had with friends, neighbors, family, employees, employers. And uh, <clears throat> can you still sing that song? with the interactions that you had. Amen. Just amen, ought to make a stop and think. Amen. <clears throat> Hard to say you love the Lord and you don't love the brethren. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. So this would be a Roman centurion, right? A Roman centurion means he's a Gentile, okay? There came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. I I want you to pause at that a second. What makes God marvel? I, I just want you to think about it. doesn't mean he was like astonished at something new. That's not the idea here. But wonder what it was that would take that would make God marvel. And when Jesus, or excuse me, verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed. Remember, the, the, the still a multitude following him down from the Sermon on the Mount. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, outside of the area they're at, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, that's a very specific reference. Every Jew in the multitude would have known he's talking to the Jews because they considered themselves the children of the kingdom. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for your work. And Lord, we'd ask that you would, Lord, fill faulty ears and faulty mouths. Lord, fill these lips of flesh with what you'd have said. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people what you'd have them to hear. 
We ask that you would reign supreme and you would get all the glory and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What makes Jesus marvel? To be amazed. I mean, just... (laughs) And I'm going to point out some obvious differences here just to kind of put it... To, to put this in perspective, but you realize this, and there, there's a, there is a, uh, uh, a parallel passage in Luke. We're not going to go look at it right now, but there is, if you want, I think it's Luke chapter 7, I think is the parallel passage here. You're welcome to go look at that if you'd like um, after, after this morning's service. So, What makes Jesus marvel? I mean, just put it, let's put this in perspective. I'm going to try to say it in a different, several different angles so we can kind of get a picture of this, but we have a Gentile centurion who walks in and trusts Jesus' word so implicitly that he knows if Jesus just says it, it'll happen. Now, a Gentile who's grown up under a Roman system, learning of Roman gods, he, pays, he probably pays or has to pay in uh, yearly at least to a, a tithe to the Roman gods, okay, And here, all around him, are a whole bunch of Jews who have been looking for the Messiah for, could we say, probably millennia, maybe at this point, or hundreds and hundreds of years. They've been told what to look for, and they were still wondering if they were looking at the Messiah. Do you understand the difference there? Let me try it a different way. He marveled at the Gentile centurion's faith because he didn't know, he didn't have this long knowledge of Jesus. He just sees Jesus, he sees what he's done, he hears what he said, and he says, yep, he is who he says he is. The Jews have learned who he is. They've been taught to look for what he is. They are supposed to know what he is. They have been watching for what he is. He has given clear signs and teaching that he is what he is. And they still were going, I wonder if this is the guy. The Gentile knew less and believed more. (laughs) The Jews knew more and believed less. Knowledge is power. Not always. Not always. Now, granted, I'm going to be careful saying that because I'm the first one that believes uh, we absolutely need to be teaching English math, science to our kids. I want everyone in the world to to be able to read. Absolutely to be able to read. Why? Because God gave us a book to read. (laughs) Amen. Amen. uh, To me, most important thing ever, one of the the most important classes is English so that people can understand to read the Bible. And following that would be math because math, while it's called a science, is actually something that God has pre put into the planet and man just knows it exists and can't guide it. You can't guide math. It just is. It's kind of, kind of interesting when you think about it. But anyways, so what makes Jesus marvel? And let me tell you, if Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, because that's what the Bible says, do you think there's still some things that make Jesus marvel? If he can marvel once, if he's the same yesterday and today and forever, there's still some things in this realm that can make, go Jesus, can make Jesus go, would you look at that? You hear what I'm saying? You marvel all the time. We did last night. We went out for a 
We went out for a late walk. We thought it was already fairly well dark. Stepped outside, and man, the sky in the, in the west was just gorgeous. As a matter of fact, it looked, like a, it looked like an ocean that was on fire with mountains behind. It just was just beautiful. And you're like, that's pretty cool. It, we marveled at it. That's amazing. That's cool. That's awesome. Ugh. The events here would indicate to us that Jesus still looks at whatever events happened here, and there's still some, if these same events still show up, that Jesus can go, would you look at that? Would you look at that? Well, what is it? Well, what did, what did the, let, let's just look at the difference between the two. Just really clear, and I'm going to, well, yeah, let's just, I'm going to, I couldn't get my notes in the columns that I wanted here, so you just got to be patient because I'm going to be moving back and forth, but between the two. So what did the centurion do? He had a problem that needed healing, and he went to Jesus to get it fixed. Why? Because he's the healer. Do you understand that? This other group, they also went to him for healing. But it would appear that they were going to him for healing because they could get healed. Do you hear the difference? Cool, there's a guy that's healing stuff. Let's go. I want to be healed of this. We all want to be healed, but listen, the centurion went to Jesus because he's the healer. There's a little difference there. When the centurion went, he completely put the healing in Jesus' hands, totally trusted him. I mean, you, you can't tell me that's not complete trust. You know, hey, I've got, I've got a, a servant that, are, you know, he's a good, been a good servant. I love him to death, and he's really sick, or however it works. I wish you'd come and heal him. And uh, Jesus says, sure. I like how Jesus says, I will come and heal him. I, I love how Jesus says that. It's like he's saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to go. It's like, he's, it's like he's throwing up, you know, a pitch that the centurion can knock out of the park. You, you get the picture? I, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll come to your house and heal him. And the centurion says, you, you don't need to come. I, I know who you are. Why would you have to come for it to be healed? You understand the trust involved there? He, this centurion understands that this guy isn't bothered because of place and time. If he says it's going to be done, it'll be done. That is, that's an unbelievable amount of trust. It's like, well, he heals. That's who he is. That's it, it, you know, he doesn't have to be there and wave fancy wands. It's just who, it's just who this guy is. He heals. I mean, he's the healer. It's, it's who he is. It's what's going to happen. He don't, you know, let him do it. <laughs> it makes me wonder if the rest came only hoping they could be healed. Do, do you, again, you hear the difference? And how many people walk in the back of a church needing Jesus, but they're only hoping the answer is here? And let me tell you, how many believers are there who go to Jesus with a problem saying, I can't solve this, and they bring it to Jesus knowing he's the healer. And others come to Jesus just going, well, I hope. You hear? And I'm, listen, be careful about trying to make me say, get into the whole Benny Hinn thing about healing, and I'm, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the centurion is trusting he knows who Jesus is. And he knows he's going to act because of who Jesus is. The Jews and all the rest were coming because they were looking for someone that looked like who he is, but they still weren't quite sure, but this guy's doing some cool stuff, so we're going to take advantage. That's the only thing it can be, because if they believed he was the Messiah, they'd be believers. The Jews, they knew what they were looking for. There would have been, there would have been the whole nation would have said, 
this is it, we're done, we're stopped looking, why are we looking? They didn't do that, did they? Not saying there wasn't believers from among the Jews. There were thousands upon thousands. The whole first group of believers were all Jews. But it wasn't the nation. And it wasn't the Pharisees. As a whole, the nation went, we're looking for Jesus. Jesus shows up with all the right signs. All, and they took advantage of all of his healing. They took advantage of all of his teaching and then walked away from him as not the Messiah. That's not trust and that's not faith and that's not belief. Gentile centurion who's never heard a word in his whole life except maybe just hearing these Jews talk about some king who's going to come and relieve him from the Roman Empire. And he sees Jesus and he probably a complete disconnect from whatever the Jews are thinking. Like, wow. I've heard people talk about gods. That is God. The Romans, we talk about all these gods. We've got all these great stories and myths that just keep going back and back and back and back and back and Somewhere back in there, there might be some truth. But this guy, that's power. This has got to be God. When the Roman centurion... Now, now think about this. This is, this is the thing that astounds me. Because the Roman centurions had, had some amazing power over Jews. Okay, not just were they the ruling, ruling empire. Okay, and the Jews were, you know, the servants and the lowlife... The, the, a Roman could walk up to a Jew and just say, here, carry my pack and walk off. And the Jew would be required to pick up the pack, were required by law to carry for him at least a mile. And I, I guarantee you, knowing the history that I've read and all that I know, that happened a lot. The Jews got treated like dirt by the Romans. Just shake your head like this. Because human, if, if you all know, humans have been, we've been treating each other like dirt since time began. Since Cain and Abel. Okay? This Roman centurion walks up to a Jew. Jesus is a Jew. He looks like a Jew. He dresses like a Jew. He dwells amongst the Jews. And a Gentile Roman centurion walks up and asks for something and then says, I am not worthy that you should come to my house. Do you hear that? He could have walked up and said, hey, uh, you're coming with me. Let's go. He would have been completely within his Roman right to do so. And yet he walks in and says, I know you can do this. Would you do it? I'll come. Oh, you're, you're, you're real. You're God. I don't know that my house is worthy of you being, up, being there, but I sure wish you could heal my servant. Do you hear that? That is, that is complete and utter humility before an almighty God. And here's the Jews. Listen, you understand, when Jesus says the children of the kingdom, I know it's not in the passage, but that's because the Jews already considered themselves the children of the kingdom. They were waiting for the, not the Messiah who would come and save them from their sin bondage, but the Messiah who would come and save them from the Roman bondage. The king who would come and lead them to victory over all these wicked goyim, these pigs, these swine of the Gentiles. And that is exactly how they talked and would have talked. And by the way, some of that is still happening. They think they are worthy. Well, I'm children of the kingdom. How else can you stand in the presence of one who is obviously giving signs that he is God and look at him and go, huh, I wonder if this is God. He just raised a guy from the dead. Wow, that was amazing. I wonder if this is God. 
Hello? Listen, and I'm not trying to... I hope you in the least don't think that I'm over here trying to be anti-Semitic. That is, we're talking about the people at the time in this passage. And not even all of them, because there's a lot of saved Jews. But the group there looked at him and kept wondering. They think they are worthy, and they're wondering if Jesus is worthy enough to be their Messiah. Now, I think Jesus makes it also, or I'm sorry, in the, the, this is interesting to me too, because essentially, it all comes down to what they do with his word. Listen, this whole multitude has just heard Jesus speak. For I don't know how long. My guess is it was probably a lot more than just was recorded here. We're probably seeing the basis of it or the, you know, the, the slimmed down version of, of kind of the general idea. But I imagine they were up there a little while. And, uh, when, and they all recognized, man, this guy, he speaks with authority. They recognized it. They saw that there was authority in there that was different than they were used to. The centurion recognizes the authority for what it is. He recognized that authority knowing that that. God's authority was representative in his power. He can heal. He is the healer. And is in his word. All he has to do is say it and it's done. That is authority. The centurion said, he's the man. <laughs> if he says it, it's done. I, I believe that's fine. That's enough for me. If you say it, that's it. That's enough for me. That is, you hear that? God said it. I believe it. And that settles it for me. I remember at one time singing, ah, we need to take out that I believe it part. God said it and that settles it for me. Well, no, actually, but it doesn't settle it for me until I believe it. Now, God said it, that does settle it. Remember we talked about a little while ago, we talked about the difference between, there's, there's a lot of religions that say, they, they talk about, well, this man says this about the Bible, and I'm trust this man because he says this about the Bible, instead of just going to the Bible and let God speak for himself. And he did a very good job of it. It's like God needs a translator somehow. No. He, he used specific words. They have meaning. Oh, and guess what? We have dictionaries for thousands of years that tell us what those meanings are. They're consistent. They don't change. The same definitions. Here they are. You can trust God's word, that there's power here, that there's authority here, that there's healing here. Or you can sit and go, well, I'm just not sure. So-and-so says, and so-and-so says. There's another big difference here. Jesus says here in verse 11 that many shall come from the east and west. What he's saying is he doesn't mean just east of town and west of town. He's talking about the eastern countries and the western countries. He's talking about east and west way beyond these borders, people from outside the borders of Israel. Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who were, what? Essentially Jews. Yeah, dead. That's a good one, too. (laughs) That's true. I thought about that one. They were dead. They're living somewhere, resurrection. But they're they're great great people in the the history of the Jews. And says, all these people that aren't Jews, they're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
Thank the Lord. Wouldn't it be cool to hear from Jacob's lips the story of wrestling with God all night? Can you imagine what it must have been like for Abraham to sit down and talk with Abraham about praying, talking to God face to face and trying to intercede for Lot? I mean, just, <laughs> wow. And we're believers are going to get that privilege. But then he also says, what, what, you understand what that means is there's going to be a lot of Gentiles just like this Gentile who are, they're going to heaven. Then he says in verse 12, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think we know what that means. There's going to be a lot of people who are, think that they're children of the kingdom who aren't going to end up in heaven. They're going to end up in hell. And the difference between the faith of the centurion, you hear me? The difference between the faith of the centurion and the faith that he found in, what does he say? Verse 19, I have not found so great, I'm sorry, verse 10. I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What's the difference? Faith and no faith. Trust and no trust. What's interesting, and I, 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 the way Jesus words this is just really interesting in verse 13 when he says unto the centurion, Go thy way, listen, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. You realize that's true for both sides. It's true for both sides. The one just can't, make, just can't really put their finger on whether or not this is the Messiah. So what are they going to receive? Well, they're not going to receive the blessings of believing in the Messiah. <laughs> they're going to receive the blessings of questioning the Messiah, which are what? Well, it's not good. What does it say? Weeping, outer darkness, cast out, gnashing of teeth. What did the centurion receive? What did he asked for? The centurion got to go home and see that God had done something amazing. The difference between the two. What's the difference between the two? I'm going I'm to try to say this as simply as I can. I, you know, there's so many different ways to look at this, but when the centurion saw Jesus, he saw the king. He trusted his authority. He knew his word would be permanent. He says, this is the king. Whatever he says, it's good. When Israel saw Jesus, they were hoping that he was going to come and lead their kingdom. Do you hear that? They were hoping he was going to come and lead their kingdom. The centurion saw the king that Israel only still ever saw everything for how it would benefit them. This may be a silly illustration. Uh, For some reason I've had teachers on the brain lately. I've I've prayed for uh, Jonathan and Lynn and um, 
Miss Giselle, I know she helps at the school, and I'm sure there might be others here this last week just praying for them and thanking the Lord for thanking the Lord for their work. But I, I'm remembering from the time I was in elementary, those sneaky teachers. I'm telling you, I think it was third grade when I first ran into a teacher who did the number walk by, put all your tests face down on every on every seat. So you're sitting there and she walks by and you got your number two pencils out there. We always had to have two number two pencils and an eraser. It had to be right there for every test. So there's my two number two pencils, my eraser. Mrs. Uh, man, it's almost at the edge of my, I can almost hear it. But third grade, she walks by, puts my test face down in front of me and I see the staple up there and I look at the size going, There's at least four pages there. Third grade, four pages, it's not fair. I see her walking through, and I hear her talking a little bit, you know, and putting it down, putting it down, putting it down. Then she gets up to the front, and she says, okay, when I say go, you'll have from now to the end of the period, or end of of whatever it was. That wasn't a period, third grade, whatever, maybe it was end of class, but to finish the test. So when I say go, I want you to turn turn your test over, Read the whole test, and then when you're done, turn it into me. Third grade, first time. Some of you know, already know where I'm going with this because you've had it happen. So I'm ready because I'm a test taker. I'm just telling you, you, if you give me time and you give me the test, I know how to take a test. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kill it. Grab my pencil, go. Flip it over. First question. No, that one. Second, no, that one. Third. Oh, forgot to write my name. Name, name, dude. Fourth question, I wasn't even down to like the eighth question on the first page. And a person in class that I know for a fact is not a good test taker, you know, third grade. I had it figured out. It was me and one girl. We were it. And after that, there was this guy. And then, you know what I'm saying? Compete with her. I got to beat her to finish this test. A person in class that I knew for a fact not only was not a good test taker, I'm pretty sure she hardly studied for the test. She got up, walked to the front, turned her test in, and walked out the door. And I went, what in the world? She must have just gave up. <laughs> okay. Next you know there's somebody else. I'm like, I'm really puzzled now. So I'm stopping. Did I miss something? You know, you know, did I miss something? I start reviewing in my head. And I don't know, kids, somebody might have whispered it too. I don't know. But Read the whole test. Oh. Oh, maybe there's some. Okay. So, first page almost completely done. Yep, yep, yep. Know the answer to that one. <laughs> Last page. If you read the whole test, you can turn this in <laughs> and get an A. Oh! <laughs> Walk up. It took me a little bit. Can I still turn it in? Yep, you can still turn it in. Okay. What's funny was it didn't quit there. It didn't quit there. You know what the teacher was trying to teach us? Trying to teach us test takers not to just love the school system, but to pay attention to the voice of the teacher. Listen to the teacher. Because what the teacher says is important. It matters. Well, that's a gotcha. Well, okay, you can say all you want. But I'm telling you, I was a lot more interested in getting my 100%. 
than I was in listening to the voice of the teacher. You hear what I'm saying? And the girl that I, in my mind, was probably the one who might have got the worst grade, she had a lot of interactions with the teacher. (laughs) And she knew the voice of the teacher. You hear what I'm saying? Do you understand that the difference between the, the centurion and the nation of Israel was? He knew the voice. He saw God and he saw the king. He saw Jesus and he said, wow, that's God. And he put himself completely into Jesus' hands as if he was God because he's God. I wonder how many people are still looking for religion and what they want. What they want is to someone and come in and not they can turn their life over to them, but somebody who can help them do what they want with their life. And that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not come to help you feel better about yourself. Jesus did not come to make you, to put you in a happy place and to make you fully fulfilled about everything that you do, all things that you've chosen to do. No, Jesus came to take over. And how we find peace is not by hoping I can add Jesus to my list of lucky charms in life to get things that I want done, but I toss out my will for his. And I just trust his word that he says what he means and he means what he says. And if he says it, okay, that's enough for me. I'll do it. Is he the king? When you see him, do you see the king, your king? Or do you just hope maybe this another religion, another God you can add to your list? Do you, do you hear me? For those of you who might still be looking, wondering whether Jesus is, is who he says he is or not, I'm going to give you a little piece of a sermon that Peter preached in Acts chapter 4. And he says to Israel, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that name, he says in verse 10, is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. None other name. Under heaven, how much of earth is under heaven? All of it. In other words, it don't matter where on earth there's another name, this is the only name. While other men have said that there's other Jesuses, no, there's only one Jesus. Other men have said that there's other ways, you know, and you know, while here he might be called Jesus and there he might be called, no, one name. You get that? Not two names for one person, one name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. For those of you here and you're still hoping that maybe you can find religion, there's only one hope. It's to Jesus Christ and that's it. That's it. His death, 
on the cross for your sins is the only way you're going to have peace with God. The only way you're going to find peace on this planet. For believers, let me ask you a question. A lot of you here know a lot. A lot of you believers here have spent, spent many, many, many years listening to preachers, listening to listening, reading your Bible and studying and hearing things. Let me ask you a question. Are, are you just accepting God's Word as it says and just trusting God to be God? Or are you still trying to find verses that you can stack on top of what you already want to do with your life and approve of it? Let God be true and every man a liar. Father, Father,